Welcome to Ordinarily Extraordinary Conversations with Women in STEM. I'm your host, Kathy Nelson, an electrical engineer who loves to hear and share stories of other women in STEM. Today, I get the joy of sitting down with my good friend, Sheila Wells. Sheila is a telecommunications engineer in the utility industry. She has a bachelor's degree in electrical engineering and a master's degree in information systems and communication technology. I've had the privilege of knowing Sheila for several years. She's an absolute delight to be around and brings a ray of sunshine every place that she goes. I'm so glad we finally get to sit down and I get to have her on my podcast. Please enjoy her story. Hi. Hey, you're there. So can you hear me? I can. I can't see you, but I can hear you. I thought I turned my video on. There you are. Okay. Hi. I'm here. Are you, How you doing? I'm good. Are you in your car? I am. I'm working today. So I'm in the office. So I came out because you're special. <laughs> <laughs> How about that? So it's good to see you. Are you comfortable? Yeah. <laughs> am I what? Are you comfortable? <laughs> Very comfortable. <laughs> I've got the air. Let me take my jacket off. It was cold in there. Now it's warm in here. I like sun anyway. You know, that's one of the great things about the office. You get to freeze when you're in the office and then get hot when you walk out. It's like the opposite of what weather should be. Okay, so how's your Friday going? My Friday is going fabulous because it is Friday. It is Friday. How have you been? We haven't talked for a little while. Wow. I have been doing great, but COVID takes a toll on you after you have so many family members and friends to pass away. You know, that gets, that gets, oh, I, I'm just not used to it. I don't know if I'm getting older or if it's because I'm sure it's the pandemic that has a lot to do with it. So it's just sad all the people we've missed and even coworkers. We've had a lot of people that have been hit with COVID and it did not go well for them. This would have been like unfathomable like two years ago to be thinking that we would be where we are now. Yes. The reason why I have a hard time is because people are still getting sick and people are still dying. Yeah. So how do you get past that? I don't know that you do. I mean, yeah. I don't know. No. Um, I I got my second vaccine last week. So I do feel like I can start doing things. Oh, and okay. So last weekend, I, Friday, I had lunch with a, well, two former coworkers, but one is retiring and moving to Hawaii in like a week. So I had lunch with her. Wow. I know. Outside. I know. I'm like, she has guest rooms. <laughs> So I'm super, super happy for her. So I got to have lunch with her. And then I had coffee with a high school friend also outside. And then Saturday, okay. my son got to have someone over because I'm super protective of him still because he can't get vaccinated yet. Although that vaccine is supposed to be out next week. So I'm hoping that he can get vaccinated yes. soon. Um, but he had a friend who had COVID a, a few weeks ago. And so I'm like, oh, you have a safe friend. You can have him over. And then Sunday, we had friends over to help us put our doc in and um, they had all been vaccinated. And so right. it's nice to be able to start doing things. I mean, I know there are still people getting sick and there are still people dying. Um, 
and then you like, you look overseas and it's just, it's just, it's, it's, it's bad. It's still, it's, you know, it's, it it's not gone. And there are still people getting sick. There are still people dying, but I feel like you can start to do things a little bit. Yes. I've had my second shot. So I'm really excited. It, it gives you some confidence, even though, you know, you can still get it. It's kind of like getting the flu shot. Yeah, I can get it, but it's not going to be as bad. Yeah. Yeah. Did you get sick from your second dose? Oh yeah. Me too. <laughs> yeah. Body aches. Body aches. I was tired. I was just really tired. I did have some aches. And mm-hmm. I did, I think I ended up, um, and I got mine on a Tuesday. So like Wednesday was kind of when I just felt crummy. And I think I ended up taking like a couple hours off and just sleeping in the afternoon because I was wow. like, I just can't, I just can't be, yeah. I just can't be at work, which is, you know, a room in my office, but it was, it was very fatigued and I didn't even know why. And then I thought oh. you took the shot. It, it hit me on the next day. Yeah. So I still have a week before I should be immune. So I'm still not going places. And until Anthony's immunized, I don't feel like I can do a ton of things, but I mean, oh, but I did find out that I think I can go to UTC in August because I'm vaccinated and we can do like some limited travel. And so I'm like, I'm so excited. Are you going to, are you going to be able to go? Yes, they've already talked about, am I going to be able to travel? Uh, Do I want to go? And I'm like, yeah, I do want to go. So they're opening it up because in July, we are coming back full time in the office. Okay, We're doing a transitioning where we'll do in the next couple of weeks, we'll only be at home two days. And then the next month will be one day and then July, all five days in the office. No more remote working. Okay. Full traffic. Are you, um, how do you feel about that? Scary. Because you don't know who's gotten vaccinated, who's Mm -hmm. not vaccinated. And we are still getting letters of people who are still getting infected. So how is that going to affect us, even though we have the vaccine? I think the scariest part about this particular virus is somebody can have it Mm. and you not know, at least with the flu, you start coming out, you don't feel good there's a cough and really you can see those people and you're like don't come in my office you're spraying the Lysol you're putting the do not enter with this particular virus somebody can be just normal and the next thing you know you're sick I felt so sorry for my sister-in-law because her sister had COVID and ended up going to the hospital and she's no longer with us, but imagine how the mom and everybody attached to that individual felt not being able to be there with their loved one in their last days. That's hard. That is hard. I, I, I can't 
imagine that. Well, and being the one who is, you know, in the process of dying and not to be able to be with your loved ones too, not to have them around Correct. you, to be able to say and, and, and the only way that you can talk to them is if you have a cell phone that has Zoom or mm -hmm. some type of video to even be able to talk with them. That's sad. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a hard time and yeah a hard 2020 yes um okay so it's a good thing 2021 we'll get to get out and get some sun and see each other i know and, and, and do some things that we used to do i know i'm i'm so looking forward to it and honestly like until probably like two weeks ago that still even seemed like a like will it happen well you know are we gonna be mm -hmm. able to do stuff so yeah. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing you in person. So, um, yes. well, let's talk about you. We know each other through a trade association and I have to say, before we get like too far into this, you are one of the greatest joys that I have found in my work life. And I'm so happy that I got to meet you through the trade association that we're on and you light up a room like no other person I have ever met. And it is um, in a in our world of fairly conservative white men that we work and live in, <laughs> yes, you are yes. an absolute ray of sunshine that brings me so much joy when I go to a meeting. So I'm so grateful that I got to meet thank you. you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I try, <laughs> I try, and 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 I'll tell you after meeting so many women in our field and in the technical field and knowing the pros and cons that we go through and after seeing women come to you and cry when I get up I say you know today is going to be a great day and I'm on this side of the turf so I'm going to be happy and we're going to go for it so I I think that's where my energy comes from. Just saying today's going to be a great day. So it's really just a mindset for you of like, I'm going to just, this is how it's going to be. And whatever happens is going to happen, but I'm going to be this positive energy force. Yes. And even the people that I work with, they say, you have a weird way of looking at things. <laughs> so for instance, when speaking and talking about our industry, because a lot of people think, you deal with power, that is so boring. <laughs> yeah. but, and it can be, but when you say, hey, I deal with power and I touch over 400,000 people's lives or I touch 1.2 million people's lives every day, what do you do for a living? It's like, wow. <laughs> well, and I think, you know, so one of the things that I thought was really interesting, my hiring manager, and this was like during my interview, because so I, I have a double E with power systems and uh -huh. the job market was kind of crappy when I graduated. And so I was, I was, I interviewed for a job as a drafter in the telecommunications department of my, the utility that I worked at for 25 years. And I was kind of debating between that and doing, um, power systems relaying at another utility. And my, um, 
my hiring manager, he's like, you know, there's going to be an engineering job coming open in a year. He's like, you don't want to go into power systems. It's been the same for a hundred years. You want to go into telecom because it's changing all the time. And I mean, this is 28 years ago and I don't, I mean, obviously 28 years ago, none of us knew what would be going on in the energy industry, but the fact of being in technology, in the energy industry, and the energy industry is changing, right? So yes, it's been this way for a hundred years, but there's so much going on. I think it's just, I think it's a completely fabulous, super fun place to be, even though from the outside, it probably looks really boring and not sexy and not interesting. And everyone wants to go to work for Facebook or Google or you know, those kinds of companies, but I think it's a fascinating place to be. And there's so much going on. It is, it is with engineering. Engineering has changed over the years. If you think about it, and I'm getting ready to tell my age, if you think about it. You're only a couple years older than me, so. (laughs) (laughs) But we came through that transition where computers were the new thing and we didn't have to use typewriters or that (laughs) crappy dot matrix computer over there or that mainframe where you're working on fortran which people are probably saying what is fortran but you're working on fortran and you're printing out this dot matrix on this dot matrix printer and you're going wow and now look at us now so to be able to see that to be able to experience no fiber to now we're full fiber to be able to see wow that copper cable you all were using that okay (laughs) how did the poles even stand on that to be to be able to see oh wow we can remove that cable and use this fiber and still have more room to do more for me, it was a fun time. It was a fun time. And it still is. Do you find it weird to be on this side of your career? So I've I've been in the industry for 28 years and I'm not quite as close to retirement as you, but I'm getting there. I'm, you know, thinking about it. And I have a hard time realizing that I am this old and I've been in the industry for this long. <laughs> like I'm like, you know, cause for so long, it's like, I felt like the youngest person, well, the youngest person, yes. you know, only yes. woman for so long, it felt like, and then it's like, I'm on the other side and it's weird. Like, how could I have gotten here? Cause it seems like it went by like that. It did. It did. Yesterday I was having a baby today she's 25 and I'm like okay did I did I miss 12 (laughs) did I miss eight what you know did something did I sleep too long what happened so yes time has passed and and the thing that I think and, and I'll leave this model with you and you'll remember it forever somebody said oh, I'm just like fine wine. I, I get better with time. And I'm thinking, yeah, the longer you let it sit, it does get better with time. I'm like, oh, so we do get better over time. If you think about when we were 18, 
he probably <laughs> thought, hey, you know, I'm really good until you got into that first class and you're like, oh, shit. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then we graduate from college and we have this double E degree and, you know, oh, man, we're the best until that first day of work and you're like, shit, I don't know uh, anything. <laughs> Okay, I thought we were going to solve problems. Where's the calculation? Oh, exactly. Well, okay, so that, and um, I remember I had a class where um, it was a communication class and they were talking about tubes. Remember tubes? And they said, yes. well, we're not even going to learn about this because no one uses them anymore. And then I get into my job, all of our microsystems are based on tubes. And I'm like, we never learned this. They said this is all out of date. What is this old crap that we have? <laughs> <laughs> it's like I, I, I agree. I agree. One thing that I will say helped me is co-op internships. I'll tell anybody. Matter of fact, I, I told my son, he's getting ready to graduate. Intern co-op as much as you can. You can, and and that's if you're with a really progressive company you can learn a lot and you tend to learn more with small companies because they're mm -hmm. like, okay, we need to put everybody to work. So, yeah. hey, you over there, <laughs> come here. Mm -hmm. So that is the great thing that you, you learn about what you want to do. But engineering is so broad and even electrical. Mm -hmm. One of the things I thought about the utility industry, I said, wow, this is going to be great because it gives me so many areas of electrical engineering for me to try to find my way. And I did. And I love what, my, what I do in communications. So I think <clears throat> when you look at all of that, you go, wow, this is a lot of stuff. This is this is amazing. This is amazing. Did you know what you wanted to do when you went into engineering? No. Did you know what engineering was when you went into engineering? <laughs> <laughs> My sister was, and she worked at the local university. She was a secretary. She was a great typist. And it just fascinated me that she was so great. So she goes, what are you going to do? And I said, I'm going to be a secretary like you. She said, oh, no, you're not. You're not. Well, let's look at the medical field because you have really good grades. You're good in math and science. And let's, let's look at the medical field. I said, okay, I can see being a nurse. She's like, no, if you're going to do that, you're going to be, be a doctor. This. You're going to be a doctor. <laughs> yeah. Now, I thought I was going to be a doctor. My sister's 15 years older than me. So I thought I was going to be a doctor until I went with her to get married. And back during that time, they had to get blood tests. So <laughs> she's sitting there and she has very small veins. And so she's getting sick, but I'm the one about to pass out <laughs> because <laughs> of the blood. And I'm like, Oh, I can't be a doctor. And my sister's like, are you kidding me? 
you're gonna faint at at the sight of blood and i'm like oh, scratch that off that okay so let's go back to the drawing board so with math and science she said look at engineering and i'm really thankful for her because i didn't know anything about engineering so i researched the different ones architectural nah civil okay maybe mechanical uh, maybe electrical oh i really like this but with electrical i just looked at wow i could do a lot with this degree now i will be honest with you if computer engineering was during our time i would definitely be electrical and computer engineering hands down hands down because i like computers when they came on board i really did so matter of fact my first job i was a computer administrator in addition to doing some engineering because there were very few electricals that had computer oh, yeah. experience during that time and that was the that was a funny time when somebody probably said you know computer scientists are doing this electrical engineers are doing this uh we've got to do a little bit more with computer science maybe computer engineering electrical and computer engineering and i, I think as the time as technology improved and got better that's how they ended up coming up with that feel and having a better feel and man i wish they would have had that back when we were in college okay so what do you do for what do you do for a job this is my 30th year in engineering and in the utility industry i have been with my first company for four years this last company i'm coming up on my 26th year on the 16th so i'm not that far away i work in communications communications to substations sonnet ethernet fiber radio all the fun stuff that gets that signal back to the equipment to the people to help keep the power on the other task is wireless co-location where we actually have attachments on poles with wireless customers where they expand their network so that's a fun job that's where i deal with customers on that side and that would be like so when you say customers it would be and co-locating that would be like the verizons and the at&t's and the people who run wireless networks yep. right sprint yep t-mobile those customers. So what is, and this is a really hard question. So I will preface this question with that. Um, what's a typical day in your life look like? Is there a typical No, day? there's not. That's why it's a hard question. <laughs> <laughs> a typical day, I would say as an engineer, being an engineer, mom, a problem solver, if you're good at what you do, people come with you with a lot of problems to solve. So a typical day can vary. It can start off with, I'm going to get this, 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 and this done. <laughs> and then it's like, no, you're not. 
you're going to be pulled to work on this side. But typically, what I would say, the couple of things that really stand out more than anything is we're expanding the reliability of our system. So with distribution automation, we are using radios to talk with equipment for reliability places. And what we're looking at is the places in which we have the most outages, our service needs improving. And so we're putting these different devices out in those areas to improve the reliability, to be more efficient. So to make sure that you don't see your power blink. How about that? Yep. Yep. It's um, very, it's a very important role. Yeah. The other thing that is really hot in our department is what's called dark fiber. And, and, and I really love that term because you're looking for this navy blue, this black, this purple fiber, and it's the cable is black, but the fiber is inside is clear. So people say, what is dark fiber? Dark fiber just means that we don't light it. We will actually pull it for you, but we do not put any equipment on the ends like a Comcast or Charter or Warner Cable or some of your other internet cable companies. Yep. So the company who's leasing it from you, they put their own electronics on it and they transmit their own light through the fiber. Uh Yeah. Yes. But we also use fiber for our operational network. And we're, believe it or not, still probably have a little copper out there that we're still trying to replace. Well, and I think um, one of the one of the really interesting things to me that I, I really like when I about being in the utility industry in communications is there's a lot of places where people don't have good internet. COVID has really brought that to yep. light, and utilities in some cases are building broadband services to their customers. In some cases, they're partnering, they're providing dark fiber services so that other people can build and mm-hmm. and trying to help bring technology out to our communities, which in some cases yes. don't have internet. And I think the fact that we've all been working from home and kids have been having school from home has yes. really highlighted how much of a disparity there is in that and how much of a need there still is for that. And, um, and one of the things that I love about being a part of the utility industry, and I, I worked for a co-op for 25 years, utilities really want to work together to make the world a better place. Um, I think in some, yes. sometimes we're seen as like the big bad utility, but when you get in there and you're working together, you're really trying to do, I would say for the most part, I mean, there might be some outliers. You're really trying to do good things for the communities that you're in. And I love that. Yes. Yes, we do. One of the things that we try to do to show people, hey, we're here, we're caring. We do a lot of outreach to our areas, maybe going and reading to students in the schools to say, hey, we're here, or to talk about safety, especially to the little kids, hey, 
don't put that pencil in that socket. <laughs> we talk about that. <laughs> so we we do we do a we lot. We do that to adults sometimes too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't just be hey. Don't look at that laser, right? Oh, don't yeah. look at that light. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. probably the biggest things that I will say that adults do. Because they think, oh, it's a light. What is it? No, don't, <laughs> don't look at that. So, yeah, safety in the community. And then also talking about, hey, we're the utility. We need youth. We need people. We need to carry on. Look at coming to work for the utility. And with STEM, and I will tell, I try to tell young women all the time, because we have very few women, Kathy, do. you know that, when we look in a room, very few women that are in engineering, and so I try to tell them, oh yeah, it's fun, you may think that, well, some of us are nerds, and then most engineers, we all have a little nerdy to us, but we have fun. Oh man, we have fun. We do have so fun. We're fun work, nerds. Work. <laughs> that's right. Work hard, party harder. So we have a great time. Well, and we, I we think it, it's time. a fun, it's a fun field to be in. There's always things that are changing mm-hmm. and there's so much that you can do with an engineering degree, you know, and you don't have to stay in engineering. But no. the one thing is, is that you can't have a different degree and go into engineering. You know, it's, it's, it, it doesn't go both directions. It only goes one direction. You can, you know, be an engineer, do other things. You can't get a degree in like accounting and be an engineer. Mm-hmm. I think the other thing, and that's why I'm starting to join more organizations to make women aware of, hey, it can be done. It can be done. So... Let's look at how you can get into a field like this. And some people may say, well, I'm not good at math. Well, okay, you don't have to go into engineering. Maybe let's look at computer science where you don't have to go into physics three and Cal four. Those are my favorite classes. (laughs) Seriously, I love physics and I love calculus. But... (laughs) Yes, we do, but there are a lot of people who are intimidated with that. Well, so one of the women that I had on my podcast, Stephanie Espy, she she has, she has a degree from MIT and she started a tutoring business. So like so she's right. not doing engineering, she's she runs a tutoring business and she talks about how people have this assumption that you have to be good at math. Mm-hmm. According to her, and I mean, I, I can't completely say this because math came pretty easily for me. She said it's practice. She said you don't have to, like people just have this assumption that you have to yeah. be good at math. And so, you know, if they're not naturally good at it, they might give up as opposed to it's practice and practice and practice and you can get good at math. And so I think that's interesting too, yeah. because if you... um persist and you're interested, I think that you can still do it. And then the thing that I also think is interesting. So we talked about this at the beginning a little bit. Um, you had mentioned that you expected to like be solving formulas, right? When you got to work and you're yes. like, I yes. haven't solved the formula since day one at my job. I mean, there are people that do, I'm not saying that all engineers don't, but it's system engineers. And we have a very similar, we have very similar roles, right? Um, yes. 
system engineers, other people's lost. equipment. Yeah, but there's computer programs that do it now. <laughs> you don't even need to like know how to do that. You need to know like it's like it doesn't make sense, you know, our the computer. But the most math that I've used since I got out of college was we rebuilt our house and we put in triangular windows and my husband was did all of the trim work and I had to calculate the angles that he needed to cut the wood at. That's the most math I've used in college. And so if you can make it through your classes, you don't necessarily use the math once you get into your actual job. Some people do. I mean, I have talked to women and engineers who do, but not necessarily. Power quality, maybe they may use it a little bit more. I will say being able to problem solve, Mm -hmm. troubleshoot. For me, multitasking, project management, I think we do it all. And what I try to tell women, we are good at that. Most, Most of us really are good at that because if you have a mother or father elderly parents that you're helping to take care of or you have children with schedules or or just your own schedule if you're your home manager or if you have all of them at the same time yeah (laughs) (laughs) those are great traits of a great engineer it's just a different type of engineer so you have the trait just find your niche within that field. Well, and there's so many different kinds of engineering and um, there's different kinds of engineering than when we started in engineering, when we were going to school, there's, you know, Mm -hmm. different, you know, and some of them are more aligned with people and processes and some of them are more Mm -hmm. aligned with technology. And there's just, there's a lot of different options. So I want to ask you about so, you know, we we're talking about women in engineering. Um, what was your schooling life like? Like, where, like, were you one of the few women in your classes? And what was that experience like for you? Oh, man. Yes, I was one of few. You know, freshman year, you start out and you see a lot of people. Sophomore year, they started weeding out. <laughs> Junior year, you're saying, where did they go? And senior year, you may end up with 10 people. Uh, You know, it just, it trickles down really, really small. And there are other, I've had friends who were in electrical and they said, hey, I like mechanical better or civil. And they switched over. Then there were some people that said, you know, I think I'm going to go in industrial engineering or engineering technology because it's not as much math, and we want to go in that area. Then there were some people that said, you know what, none of this is (laughs) for me at all. I'm going to go somewhere else. So you lose a lot of people those first two years, but one of the good things that I can say with the guy friends that I had at my college, they were amazing. They were like brothers. They they took care of me, really kind of spoiled me. And when you're only one or two women in the group, 
really feels good because they really cater to you. You know, if they're bringing some something to eat, they're going to make sure, oh, well, we got Sheila something or we got Kathy something. So I did like that, that special attention. Now, I will tell you on the other side, probably my challenges more were from instructors that had cultures that were not very favorable for women. Mm -hmm. And it was very difficult. I even remember a instructors whose wife wanted to go into engineering and he did not want it at all. And she ended up having to drop out because he was not very supportive. But as a teenager, I didn't recognize it. Mm -hmm. I'm just thinking, oh, okay, it's just hard. Engineering yeah. is just hard. And the things that they did, I'm just thinking, oh, that's part of the program. <laughs> I so <laughs> until, relate to that. <laughs> until you graduate, and I remember going to my first job thinking, oh, wow, I have my degree. I'm going to work really hard. So through my efforts, I'll get to move up and I'll get to do this. And then reality smacked me in the face and I'm going, I got to do this for 30 years. Oh, my goodness. Because in the real world, depending on the leadership that may not be the case and as you quoted on your podcast it is not because the statistics of women who graduate from engineering is already small then the statistics of the ones who stay in the field oh it's it's really smaller my son is getting ready to graduate. He's 22. He had a classmate, his, I think it was his sophomore year, that said, your mom is an engineer? I didn't know there were any women engineers. I've got an interviewer, I've got an interviewer. And I guess I was so accustomed to it not being very many of us, I just didn't think about it until your statistics came out. And thank you for those statistics, because I started thinking, wow, we've got to do better at working to get more women into the field, which is going to help with the culture, which mm -hmm. is going to help with this field. Because it is challenging sometimes being the only woman in the field and having to prove yourself oh, yeah. and reprove yourself yep. because maybe your coworker's spouse is a housewife, so they look at you as a housewife and not an engineer. Or they don't understand the fact that, so they have a wife that stays at home to your point and they aren't trying to juggle kids schedules running kids to doctors 
Uh, currently I have to make my kid lunch and breakfast because we're all at home together right now working and Mm -hmm. they have somebody doing that. And so just to have that shift in their mindset, you know, to understand that you have other things that you have to do that they might not have to do, um, you know, to make it more, more of a norm. One of the women that was on my podcast brought up this book, which I happen to have like next to me called Invisible Women. So the other thing is, and it talks about data bias in a world designed for men, but basically it's, um, you know, how like artificial intelligence and um, facial recognition, all those things are, are designed around men. And one of the things I found interesting Recently, I was talking to, oh, I was talking to one of my coworkers because we got our second vaccination on the same day. And she said, well, Uh women tend to get, have a a stronger reaction to the vaccine because the vaccine is designed for men. And I was like, oh, of course it was. (laughs) So if you don't have women in the design process, in the research, in science, in engineering, men's default is thinking about themselves, right? Which makes sense. But when you have that diversity, when you have the diversity of gender, of people of color, of sexual orientation, whatever it is, you get so much better of a result for everybody. And so it's not, you know, it's, it's changing the culture, but it also is making the world a better place for the people that we're designing things for. Oh yeah. I've had guys where I work to say that they thought a woman's place was at home and I laughed (laughs) and I thought that's because your wife is at home if your wife was making as much as I am (laughs) you would kiss her just like my husband does and say see you when you get home and you know when he comes home from work and I come home from work we have a happy house so I thought wow but you would be surprised how many of our co-workers think that and that's sad that really is sad I had a co-worker whose wife packed his lunch for him every day <laughs> he'd come to work uh, with a lunchbox and his wife packed it for him and and oh, I had another coworker whose wife packed his clothes if he traveled. <laughs> I was like, oh my <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I can't imagine my husband packing my lunch or my clothes. I think actually, I think like a couple of weeks ago, he asked if I could pack his lunch for him, and I just laughed at him. <laughs> it's like, no, <laughs> sorry. I should probably be nicer. I could just be kind. But I'm like, no, I'm not back at your lunch. My uh, my husband and I do a lot of team things together. So, for instance, if one cooks, the other cleans. Oh up. yeah, yeah, we do that. So, we we do a lot of team things together. But I will tell you, most of the guys that I work with, if their wives are stay-at-home moms or stay-at-home wives. No, from what I've been told, no, they're not doing the team thing. And that that makes it very difficult because they bring that's okay as long as you don't bring it into the right. work environment. And I, I don't think a lot of people have that break. Okay, I'm not at home anymore. I'm at work. Well, it's like it's part of your unconscious bias, right? It's just, you know, this is how it is for Correct. me. And so this is how I assume it is for other people. 
That is correct. That is correct. The times hopefully will change as more women, and, and we put the word out for more women to say, hey, this is a really great, great career. You should consider it and come in. And that's the only way that we're going to be able to change it, Kathy. Podcasts like this, organizations that we're a part of, even working with our counterparts that are men that say, hey, you know, go with me to talk about encouraging more women to get in the field. What are you doing to encourage more women or people of color to get in the field? I agree with you. Well, and we need male allies to do that because, you know, we can't change those things by ourselves because in a lot of cases, it's the men, they're still in leadership roles and they're the ones that need to help drive those changes. We have to have male allies to move things forward. Yeah, I had one of my supervisors that talked about how he really valued me and how he actually apologized for some of the ratings I got. They were good, but he said it wasn't representation of what I was doing. And it was sad, but it was I was happy at the same time that somebody recognized that it was wrong and and it made them conscious to be a better supervisor or a better leader, period. So I was happy about that. I tell people all the time, look at hidden figures. You may think that that was many, many years ago. That still happens today. How many times, Kathy, have you been asked to solve something and you're not given all the tools. It may not be that report or that book and a couple of pages are taken out. Maybe you didn't get the book at all. I hope you're enjoying this podcast and Sheila's story. If you enjoy the podcast and would like to support it, head over to your favorite podcast platform where you can rate it or even better, write a review, which will help other people find my podcast and bring these women's stories to more listeners. You can also find me, Kathy Nelson, at www.ordinarily-extraordinary.com. Thanks, and back to Sheila's story. Okay, so you bring up hidden figures, and I'm gonna like just jump to that because I wanted to. I wanted to talk with you about that because I loved that movie, and when I watched that yes. movie. I'm like, oh my God, finally, I see representation of myself, yes! <laughs> right? Yes. Okay. Yes. But as a black woman though, because and we haven't got into the race mm-hmm. discussion, which we've talked about talking about, but when you saw that movie, um, I'm just like, what, what was your experience seeing the movie or reading the book? Cried I'm not sure which. Because I, I saw the movie, but I cried because I'm like, wow, this is a wide spread illness Mm -hmm. wow wow and wow it's been happening for a long time a long time even and when I said it's been happening for a long time we've had we have our first woman vice president but we had an opportunity 
to have a woman president. And I've heard a lot of men to say, no, they, they would never have a woman mm-hmm. lead yep. the company. Um, being black in the field, when you walk in a room and you're only the only one, I've gotten used to it. Can we do better? Yes, we can do better. I think it has to start with the school systems and making sure that people, and especially women, are exposed to STEM and know about engineering because that's where it starts at the school level. As far as I have, I remember my first job and I remember my first, say 90 days, a guy came to me and he said, wow, you're really, really lucky. And I said, why am I really lucky, sir? Because, you know, when you're young, you say sir to everybody. And that's probably offensive. But you don't know that. That's just your manners. <laughs> so, well, like, and you're from the <laughs> South, right? Isn't like like my, my, my nephew grew up in Georgia. Everyone's sir and ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> so he says, well, you are a minority and you've got to go to school for free. And I got my... A scholarship taken away from people like you and I wasn't able to finish to get my engineering degree well and I said sir did you say your father worked here he said yes and I said you're here in an engineering capacity correct but you don't have an engineering degree He said, yes. I said, okay, so let's start. First of all, I had to have a certain GPA to even get a scholarship. That's number one, and to get into college. So I had to earn that. Secondly, at my school, it was transitioning in where I was not the minority anymore. I was the majority, so the opposite of me became the minority and they started taking scholarships from us. And even though they had a lower GPA, so I had to start paying out of pocket. So I'm not sure what program you're talking about because I was not part of that program. And last that I checked to get on here, I had to have a college degree I had to interview, I had to qualify. And oh, by the way, my dad doesn't work here. He's a roofer. So I'm the first engineer in my family. So I'm not sure I understand what you're talking about of what's been given to me. So that was number one experience. The first day I had a secretary that particular man was a white male. The secretary was a white female. She was older. And she was livid. She was livid that I came in as a young, 
I'm going to say a young engineer, maybe a young black engineer. But at any rate, I was making more money than her. And she didn't understand why. And she refused to answer my phone. So my supervisor gave me a pager. Yeah. I, and so I learned what a pager was all about, in which you totally hate because if it's attached to your phone, it's going to buzz all the time. Even if you're in the bathroom, it's going to buzz. You, you have it's attached to your, your hip. But the sad part about it is I thought, wow, is this what I'm into? Because I was the only Black female engineer in my department. She answered everybody else's phone. And she used to follow me around to just make sure I was working. So finally, I transferred out of that area and went to another area. And in that particular area, it was actually sad because the union rep then, imagine that, a union rep. We're in the union, union rep. There was a young lady, white female, who had just come back from maternity leave. So she was a little not abreast of what was going on because she had been out. She had a baby. So we're in the meeting. I'm pregnant. She just had a baby. And she asked a question, which was a very valid question. And before I could say anything, the union rep, who was a white male, said, that's why all women belong home barefoot and pregnant. Oh, my God. And I was in shock. So, of course, I alerted human resources and he had to apologize to us for the fact that there was his supervisor was in there and didn't say hey that's wrong mm -hmm. um please apologize to these ladies it's sad it's sad so because I've it's been, a subject I, right it's it's he, so it, by, by right. being complicit you're saying like this is okay like correct if you don't if you don't I've address gone, it at the time mm -hmm. i've gone to get safety glasses and there was a white female there that said, well, anybody can't get safety glasses. And I'm going, okay, I'm in engineering. Well, everybody in engineering can't get safety glasses. And I'm going, okay, can we just check my name and my employee code and see if I qualify? And she did. And she's like, oh, you're an engineer. There was another lady who didn't want to sign me up for the pool car because she didn't think I was qualified to go out in the field. And I'm going, okay, I'm going to a job site. I'm an engineer. And she verified it. And so after that, I didn't have any problems. But it just was abnormal. Um, and I have had black men also to say some things. I had one guy to say, um, that's a shame you're making all that money. And I said, really, do you have a daughter? 
He said, yes. I said, how would you like it if somebody came up to your daughter and said that? Would you like it? He said, no. I said, well, my father wouldn't either. My father is just as proud of me as your father is of you. And it's just the way that people view. Just as though you're abnormal in our field, I'm really abnormal. And I think your statistics talked about that. And most of the time, a lot of people thought, here, I was the secretary for the longest. Mm -hmm. And I just laughed. I just laughed. Because what else would you be, right? That's exactly right. Uh, My first leader here, he was a, um, what do you call him? Not a supervisor. He wasn't a supervisor. He was just the lead, the lead right below the supervisor. He used to call me over to his desk and he would send me to the copier. I would pass the secretary and the clerk and then I would come back with the papers and then he would tell me I can go sit down so after the second or third time I'm going um am I going to be working on something and he said no I said, so you just wanted me to make copies for you? Yes. And this man would call me on the phone and I was in another room to come past clerical who normally make copies. And so I talked to my supervisor, but what that ended up saying is that I was a hothead. Of course. Because I stood up for myself, yeah. What I can say is the less of a type in a field, the more flack you're going to get. When, when I was younger, so there was a there was a, a guy that I worked with who um, grabbed my butt when we were out to lunch. And I was young. Oh, wow. I was um, in my mid-20s. And I was actually with a group of people. I was with a group of coworkers. And I told this to somebody else that I, that somebody that I would, I run with at work. And she's like, well, and we had friends in HR and she's like, and she told our friends in HR about it. And they're like, Kathy, you need to report this. And I'm like, I can't because this is like what the, so it was, it was a technician and, um, there's even, you know, less women in the field than there is in engineering. And I'm like, yeah. I will be stigmatized as somebody who causes trouble to your point. Right. And so yes. you have to put up with stuff and I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put up with it now. Um, but when you're young, it's like, you don't know what to do, you but don't. you put up with things that aren't right and you don't know how to change them. In some cases, I still don't know how to change them. <laughs> like, um, yeah. you know, depending on, on, on where, on where you are. And, and honestly, I'm, I'm going to, I'm working on getting an expert in microaggressions to have on the podcast because like I can deal with microaggressions with people that I work with at my company. But now that uh-huh. I'm a consultant, what happens when you have a client or a customer who does uh-huh. things that are inappropriate? It's like a whole nother level of things to deal with. But it's really, really hard 
I don't know how to fix it, right? I mean, other than getting more women and more people of color into our field, which it would be nice to change the culture without having to wait yeah. until we're on an equal playing field, because I don't know that we'll ever be on an equal playing field. And that's true. I don't I don't want my daughters to be treated the way that I was or the way that you were talk about. How do we change that? We have all this training on like what not to do, right? I mean, every company has yes. like the sexual harassment training and all that stuff and um, the unconscious bias training, but it also doesn't tell you what to do when you're in those situations. Like it tells you not to do it, right? But it doesn't say yes. what to do when you're on the receiving end of it. And I think that we have... Well, they tell you to report it, but what happens is the backlash that you get and your life gets worse mm -hmm. and you're right with that because it happened to me also with a lead guy that used to he went to he used to rub my shoulders but he took upon himself to take off my shoes when we were working late and start massaging my feet and it scared me to death uh, and he was married with kids. And when I brought it to his attention, he became very hostile to work with. Yeah. And, and as a young engineer that is away from home, on your own, by yourself, that's scary, Kathy. Mm -hmm. That's scary. That's scary. And, and those are things that are, you know, blatant, right? I mean, those are things you can report, but then there's just also this level of just um, things that aren't right. Mm -hmm. That if you were in like a single instance, probably mean nothing. And people would just say, oh, you're just being sensitive or you're just you know, yes. imagining it or whatever, but you put them on top of each other and it, be it becomes a hostile work environment in its own, but you don't have one single instance that you can report anything on. And so I think those situations get to be really challenging on how to, how to handle them. Because um, in some cases, you know, like that's one of the reasons I left one of my jobs is because I didn't know how to fix it. And so I, the only thing I could figure out to do was to leave the situation myself, which is not fair. You know, what's interesting, I think that even when I leave this job, and, and I told my family, and they were looking at me really crazy. I said, I am going to meet, need post-traumatic stress syndrome counseling when I leave from this field. And they said, why? I said, and COVID really helped to identify it because I had been out of the office. And when I came back, some of the things that happened that it made me really see how dysfunctional the workplace was. I said, because it's like being in an abusive relationship where somebody smacks you and then they say, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. I didn't mean to do that. And then they turn around and slap you right again. It's now, I've never been slapped, but it feels just like that feeling it it I, I had that 
that same feeling coming back to work and you're in a meeting and people just bombard the meeting and start talking if you're never there mm-hmm. or you're having a conversation with another coworker and another person walks up and just butts in that conversation. I've even been on the phone talking to a customer and another one of my colleagues will come up and start rambling through my files on the desk and I'm like, what is going on? But I can't say anything because I'm on the phone with the customer. Just all types of violations. And when you bring it up, they're like, well, isn't that the way it's supposed to be? No, what, what? And I I actually did it to this, this guy. He had taken something off my desk without asking. And so what I did is he shared it with some other people. So what I did is when he brought in his favorite thing, I started calling people over to share and he was livid. And I said, well, I thought we share over here. Isn't that what we do? But it wasn't until he felt the same violation that he understood how wrong it is. And and I think that is the main thing. It's okay to do until a person understands how wrong it is. Do you think, um, and I don't, I don't know that you'll be able to answer this, but I'm just, I'm, I'm curious. Do you think that you have had more challenges because of being female or more challenges because of being black or is it just the intersection? Ooh. It's hard. It really is hard. It really is hard because when I look at the women have come through in the department that I'm in, with or without the PE, none of them were promoted in the department. I look at all the supervisors have been male. We just got our first female supervisor. I've been here for 26 years. It's interesting. I don't know. It's it's hard. It, it really is hard. I would I would say black but I don't I don't know because it's not that many black female engineers to really tell yeah there there are more females than there are black females if that makes any sense it does are there because I don't I don't know many black male engineers either is it do you think that there's Mm -hmm. more women engineers than there are not at my company and not from what I've seen. And what I have seen is the men tend to not have as hard of a time as I do. Well, and I think the hard thing to know is, um, you know, I, I had a, a couple a couple of things that led to me wanting to find an expert in dealing with microaggressions that happened within a week. And both of them were pointed out to me by other people. One was actually pointed out to me by a guy and one was pointed out to me by a woman. But I thought it was super interesting by the fact that I didn't even notice it anymore. It happened to me and I didn't even notice it because I feel like I've been so desensitized to it that I don't even recognize it. I can't even go like this is happening because I'm female. I agree. 
I agree. I agree with you. I'm right there with you. Because, and I will say, because so much happens, I just think our brains can't only hold so much <laughs> yeah. because it's like one after another, after another, after another. And you're like, okay, I'm, I'm at my limit. I stopped at 10. So, and then when you say something and nothing is done yeah. or it gets worse, I think that you kind of put it on the back burner also. Okay. So I, so I talked about that, you know, I, I left a position because of challenges that I have that I couldn't see ways to resolve. Is that something that you ever considered or like, did you feel like it would be similar no matter where you went or why did you end up staying? Um, I'll be real honest with you until the organization that we have in common that we volunteer for until I started meeting really nice people and they were white males who were very intelligent, who were very knowledgeable and who liked me not because I might have been attracted to them. They liked me for what I brought to the table and they acknowledged my talents. I'm like, oh my God, it people are different. There are people out there that really will give you a chance. And I think that's the life that you see in me is wow, there is hope. There is hope for a change. There is hope for change because there are good people out there that are willing to fight for us. So, okay. I feel so similarly to what you just said, because had Mm -hmm. I not had, had I not found that organization, um, I would not have stayed in my position as long as I did. Like I loved being a part. Well, I should say loved. I love being a part of that organization. I'm, you know, in a different role now, but to your point, I found people who were so supportive and so kind and lifelong friends. I mean, you know, and I, I, there was time like early on, I was at a dinner and they talked about the family, right? I mean, we talk about the family within the uh, association. Yes. And I, and this was before I was part of the family. And I'm like, that sounds so corny. And I was kind of like making fun of it with someone I was sitting with. And then I became part of the family and it is like a family. (laughs) Like, it's so interesting to me. It is. It is. And you should have been the mother. You should have been the mother of that family. And that's a whole nother conversation <laughs> that of, of things that you should have been able to do that you weren't able to do. That is unfair. Yeah, and, and that's the other thing too, that people don't experience. And yes, you know, that is what is make with COVID and and coming back and and seeing how dysfunctional the environment is and saying, you know, maybe there are good people out there that really want to get work done and and that don't care about gender and race on a team. I need to go get on one of those teams. So yes, it it has made me think of that because I said where I am, 
my growth is being stunted inside and outside. Yeah. If that makes any sense at all. It, it does. It, it does. And, and I, I see that. Yeah. And it's unfortunate because it, sh- it shouldn't be that way. Um, especially when you have someone that you work with that has been in that exact role and then they prevent you from doing it yourself. Exactly. So exactly. And you know, what's so funny is it would be different if it was just, let's just say, Oh, Kathy, well, you and Kathy are friends. So her vote really doesn't count, but multiple people when, Yes, all over the world. I know. So those are the challenges and you have to learn how to address them. But I think you have to know when it happens to even know how to respond. That's something that I struggle with. And I feel like it, you know, after 28 years of being an engineer, I feel like I should know how to respond. Like, I feel like I should have answers and I don't. And that I think is also hard. Is that, you know, why don't I know how to navigate this when I have been at it for this long? And there are situations that I still, I still don't know how to navigate. Yeah. I just, I I don't, I I don't, I don't know. And it's, um, I don't know. That's where I think the women organizations will help us talk about, let's talk about, let's have a safe place that we can talk about what's going on in our world and how to address it and how to take the next steps. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I talk a lot about community because that's one of the things that I have found to be really important in doing this podcast. It's kind of like a byproduct that I didn't know was super, super necessary that I absolutely love with this, but having that community to your point to have these conversations, I think is really invaluable, you know, to just, to not feel alone, to not feel like you're the only one who has experienced this. The, the, the thing that I think is, can also be challenging is like, I, I, I don't want people to think that we're like male bashing or, you know, anything like that, mm-hmm. but being able to, you know, honestly have conversations about the challenges that we have and, and successes too. I mean, and I do, I do want to talk about that too, because we do have great successes as women. And in some cases, in some cases, it might be because we're women, right? Because there are certain yes. things that happen. Um, like, I'm pretty sure that we're remembered more so than many of our colleagues are. Um, I'm pretty sure that you're remembered at probably every meeting <laughs> that you're at. <laughs> and I think there's really good things that can come of that. But I also think that we should be able to talk about the challenges that we have without feeling like somebody saying, oh, well, you're just male bashing or you're just complaining or you're just whatever. And it's important to be able to talk about those challenges so that we can learn how to overcome them. Um, And I would like to say overcome them. I don't want to say overcome them early in our careers because I think we probably have them throughout right? I mean, I, I will say yes. no one's grabbed my butt in a long time. That's one of the benefits of getting older. I think <laughs> that one hasn't happened. You know, I, may, but... <laughs> I may try to wear lipstick now. You know, I was, I, I stopped wearing lipstick. Maybe I need, you're right. I'm older now. I might like wear lipstick. Let me try that. Well, now oh it's going to be covered by a mask. <laughs> That's why I can wear lipstick. <laughs> okay, 
so um, I do want to I do want to ask you a, a couple things before before we go. And I, yes. I honestly, I, like I could talk to you for the entire day. I wish we I wish we had more time. But what are you most proud of in your career? Well, first of all, I'm most proud of being a woman in engineering because it's not that many of us. So let me toot my horn. (laughs) And also being able to have a wonderful husband who supports me. Also being able to have wonderful kids that support me when mommy comes home and is not having that great day but they still love me anyway. So probably my accomplishment is getting that project or solving that problem that you didn't think could be solved and you get it done. For instance, at my company, I did one of the first OPGW routes. Mm. Remember when I first started, what is OPGW? optical ground wire. Oh, okay. So you learn about it and then you put it in and you see it from start to finish. Mm -hmm. The radio system network that we have, MAS system, 900 megahertz used for distribution automation. We started with the eight sites, getting it done. Nobody had ever done anything like that. Being able to do that was, of course, of course, an accomplishment. And I can say with the organization, I'm plugging up because I got low power here, organization that we work with, work in leadership positions there, and to exceed some bars there in a different environment that I hadn't worked on, on the sides and and really close to a lot of areas that I may not have had the expertise. But as an engineer, I had those skills to get it done. So I don't have just one thing. I have a lot of things. And and I think when you see somebody that you've gone to a school and this makes you feel old too you see somebody that you've gone to a school and they come back and they say miss kathy you came to my my seventh grade class and you made such an impact on me that i'm actually in college in engineering and you're going wow you know that means that was several years ago and you remembered me leaving that impact maybe that's the most thing of all just impacting somebody's life and we do that every day Kathy whether it's turning the lights on or whether it's getting the lights back on yeah so we play a part in that and People just look at us and they don't realize that. But I am proud to be a part of that community and to have been able to have that opportunity for 30 years. Yeah, it's a it's a great community and it's a great um it's a it's a great role that we play. Everyone likes everyone likes their lights to be on. 
Last question that I want to end with is what advice would you give to a girl or young woman thinking about going into engineering or STEM, or I'm going to add a little caveat here or the utility industry. Don't ever let them see you sweat. Don't ever let somebody tell you you can't because you are the only one that can hold you back. That would be the thing that I would say, go for it, do. People say, oh, it's not math and science. Yes, I would say it's math and science. Getting linear systems and getting differential equations and it's math and science. (laughs) It is math and science. (laughs) So I would say if that is your field, make sure that you understand the concepts do a lot of co-op and internship. We talked about that because that's going to help you decide your path. But also have fun because we have a fun feel. We impact a lot of lives, Kathy, and enjoy it. Enjoy it. It's a great feel to be a part. It is. And being a part of this field is how I met you which I am eternally grateful for. Yes! You meet a lot of cool people like Kathy Nelson and you end up on a podcast. (laughs) Well, Sheila, I'm so glad that we had the chance to talk today. I honestly, I wish we had more time to talk and I am so excited that we're going to actually get to see each other in a couple of months, few months, few months in person. So yes, this has been great. Um, And we can talk about our strategy of getting more women involved. How about that? Sounds awesome. I'm looking forward to it. Yes. Okay. Yes. Thank you so much. And I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Okay. Have a great day. Bye. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Ordinarily Extraordinary Conversations with Women in STEM. You can find a list of definitions, acronyms, and a fact check in the episode notes. If you like this podcast, please like it and write a review. And if you'd like to have more episodes delivered right to you, please feel free to hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast platform. And please join me for future episodes. Thank you. Thank you.